everyone. Welcome to a new episode of In Other Words with Danielle and Zara. So this is a podcast where we're going to be talking about a wide array of different topics from navigating faith in the modern world to friendship. So in other words, we're going to be talking about all the things. So today we have a very special episode. We have our first guest ever on the podcast. We're going to be talking about finance, which as young adults, is something we don't know nearly enough about. Mm -mm. But I'm going to have Danielle, you can introduce him because you're a little bit closer to him. Right. So we have my dad, Simon Marais, on the podcast with us. So Simon, will you please tell us about yourself? Well, I'm Danielle's dad. What? What? And Zara is like a second daughter here in the house. (laughs) So there's a little bit of bias. But um, I'm a financial advisor, a certified financial planner. With um, I've been with Liberty Life for almost 20 years now. And really, I help people to save for the future. I help companies with their pension and provident funds. And we do life insurance and disability cover and things like that as well. We do all the financial things, as you say. <laughs> all the things. Nice. All the things. Awesome. So what we did is we asked on our social media if people had questions and most of the people that sent in questions were students mm-hmm. and almost Young adults. students. Yes. Yeah. So it's tailored towards that, but I think that there'll be something in here for everyone. Mm, for sure. Okay. Everyone needs everyone needs advice exactly. for money. <laughs> okay. Right. So what the first question that we got sent um, is what are the rookie mistakes that people make on a budget, on a student budget specifically? Yeah. Well, I think um, most students are lucky to have income. So that first thing is to get some level of income. Yeah. But Mm. the the biggest rookie mistake, and it's not only a rookie mistake, the biggest mistake anybody makes on any budget is when they spend too much Mm. or they spend more than they earn. And that obviously then ends up, if you're a student running to mom and dad or the bank for taking extra money. Yeah. Or if you're working, it means that you're going to be taking a credit card and taking out overdrafts and getting yourself into debt. So mm. biggest mistake is running, you know, too much. Um, high, your expenses are higher than your income. Yeah. And the way one can avert that, I mean, I'm not everybody does it. It's it's, it's, it's a bit of a discipline to learn. Mm-hmm. That's actually building up a budget first. You write your own mm-hmm. budget. So write out the expected expenses you're going to have every month, and you, you need to try to live within the money that you actually earn. Yes. I would say that's the biggest mistake. Not just not just young people, but everybody makes. Yeah, that and makes when sense. it comes to writing out a budget, you suggest that it's actually on paper or on a screen, so that it's a little bit more disciplined. No, okay. no. Remember, I'm saying this to you that that doesn't necessarily mean I always do it. Ah. Okay, so very important. But yes, do as he says, not as he does. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, there's some very very cool software out there at the moment that does. There's one that I'm, and this is a harmless endorsement. It's called. It's the numbers 22 and then the word 7, 227. Mm-hmm. It actually goes into your bank account and does it works out your budget for you. It's a wonderful little um, app you can use. Mm-hmm. Trustworthy, I'm assuming. 22, it's completely trustworthy. Um, however, the act of actually writing out your expenses every month is a very good one, especially if you are new at this. Yeah. So um, I would suggest don't use a computer. Don't use all this fancy software which is out there. When, you know, perhaps you're a bit more experienced, you can use that. But the act of physically writing it out on a piece of paper is very, very important mm. to, I don't know why, but it, it helps you to understand your funds better. So write, yeah. write out your budget. Now and I have something to do with all the notebooks I have. Yeah. Exactly. And keep it simple. 
Okay. Don't worry about the three cents here and the two cents there. Mm. Yeah, you know, we'll worry about the cents and we'll take, they, they make up for the rands. But don't get stuck on doing your budget. You want to just, you need a general budget set up and you want to manage that each each month. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Also, and then just before we move on, you mentioned how people start using credit cards, especially as they get older. What is your view on that? Like credit cards, should people have a credit card? Should they not? I'm interested to look. To the know. credit cards are just another way of payment. I mean, these days, the you know, you've got debit cards, you've got credit cards, you've got SnapScan. They're all just mechanisms that take money out of your bank account. Yeah. And the main thing is to avoid is to is to try to avoid running into too much debt. Yeah. So historically, the thing about credit cards is that you can spend your money and then you you've only got to pay for it next month. Mm-hmm. So you've got almost 45 days of interest-free. Um, spending, yeah, which is the hook, the catcher. No, it's, yeah. it's interest free, and then you kind of forget about paying it off in forty-five days. Yeah, and before you know it, you've got three or four months debt built up there. Rough. Where, whereas with a whereas with a debit card, it only runs on what's in your bank account. Yeah, so you're spending money you actually have. Precisely, mm. that's the theory. But remember, as life gets more complicated, you can also get these lovely things called overdrafts, mm. and then it's just the same as a credit card. So. The main thing, it goes back to my rule number one, is try to live within your Your income and try to do it every month. If you do have a credit card, like I said, the credit card legitimately is interest-free in those Mm. first 30 days or whatever it is. But if you do have one, then endeavor to pay the full amount of every month so you actually make take advantage of it. Right now, I think a credit card interest rate is about 18 or 19%. That's what they're going to charge you. 19% 19% yeah, of money you don't pay. And that oh. just runs up very, very fast. Whereas um, money that you're earning, you know, if it's in the bank, you it's maybe 5% or 6%. So you're going to pay a lot of interest. Okay. okay. Not keen. <laughs> no, not keen at all for that. Try to avoid it. Yeah. Okay, so uh, obviously we can make this as simple as possible, but for every person will be different. Some people are students who haven't started working. They're getting pocket money. Some people are working part-time. I'm about to finish my degree and I'm going to have to start working full-time. How would you ratio your salary, whatever that salary may be, in terms of investing, saving, and spending? Mm. Um, Right, for the first thing I would say is that at your ages now, if you... In your early 20s, and I know this is, it, it sometimes is difficult to think like this, but you want to be getting to a point where you can actually retire properly. Yeah. You know that's, exactly. That's I want to retire years away. three years' time. Exactly. I'm still so young. <laughs> but if you can start now and you can be saving, say, 15% of your gross income every month mm. and you save it into... I'm not going to get into too many products, but like a retirement annuity or into a unit trust. But you basically put away 15% at least of your salary or your income every month. Mm. And you do that for for 30 or 40 years. You will be able to retire okay. properly on about 90% of your final income. Okay. So it's, it's long term. So that's the first thing is, is as Stephen Covey always said um, in Seven Habits, start with the end in mind. Mm. So, if you know, okay, that's number one. Start saving for long term. Then you want to be looking towards maybe taking a similar amount if you can afford it. Um, well, you can afford it, it's a percentage. But t- take another percentage and you want to then start to put that away into a, you know, you, you want to build up a reserve fund. Yeah. So maybe okay. take 10% of your, of your monthly saving 
of your monthly earnings and put it into a, an account or a, a unit trust or something like that, mm-hmm. which is out of your bank account so you don't spend it. And you keep that there for rainy days or for holidays or for that overseas trip or for the emergency when your car breaks and mom and dad are tired of bailing you out. Yeah. Um, those kind of things. And then people always say you should try to live. I mean, this is the ideal. I know it's difficult. Mm. Try to live between on, on, on between 70 and 75% of your earnings. Okay. So, and then the balance you take away for long-term saving and then for shorter-term saving. Okay. Well. Is your short-term saving, does that include your investments in a sense? Yes. Well, look, I mean, technically, any saving is an investment. True. Okay. This is You're just true. using different types of, yeah. of, vehicle, of, yes. of, of savings vehicles. Okay. Um, but yes. So investments, as, as most people would understand it, would be things that you, are, you, know, you put away for three or four or five years. Okay. And you take the money out and you're going to spend it or you're going to reinvest it. Mm-hmm. Cool. Cool. Okay. So we're looking at 15%, 15%. 75%. And remember the nice thing about long-term saving on the retirement side is that um, what you know once you're working, you got to, there's this lovely thing called um, tax. Mm, it's a three-letter word, which is worse than all mm. the four-letter words. Um, <laughs> you, because you're saving for retirement, the government allows you to claim your retirement savings as a tax deduction. Okay. So you can deduct up to 27.5% of your gross income and so you're basically getting some of your tax money back if you save for the long term. So it yes. makes sense to do that. Okay. Cool. cool. So I think um, you just want to talk a bit about spending. Mm. So one of the questions that we got was, um, like, how, how do you know when it's right to buy a house? And we can apply that to, like, a car as well, like any of those big, like those bigger investment things. Um, and also, like... In terms of the South African economy, do you think that's a good idea to invest in right now? All right, let's talk about the properties and things okay. like that. Yeah. Look, it would be my philosophy is if you're able, if you can afford it, try and get into a property to live in or to as an investment as soon as possible. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. it never gets cheaper. Um, and yes, over the long term, the prop the property market does perform worse than the stock market. It, that's mm-hmm. just investment. Yes. That's just how it works. But it's very important that you have your own place to live in one day. Yes. Um, you mm-hmm. don't want to always be paying rent. Mm. Remember, if you're paying rent and you're paying 5,000 rand a month rent today or this year, next year it's going to be 5,500 because they're going to add a 10% yeah. inflation. Yeah. So in seven or nine, in about 10 years' time, you're going to be paying 11 or 12,000 rand a month mm. yeah. on the same property. And the person who's bought the property is still paying 5,000 every month. Yeah. So that's the thing, where if, if you can buy your property, you are, you know, ignore interest rates because interest rates go up and down. But if you are buying your property and you're paying a bond today of 10,000 rand a month, mm-hmm. in, fifth, in 10 years or 15 years' time, you are still paying 10,000 rand a month. Okay. Yeah. Whereas if you're renting that same property in 15 years' time, it's going to cost the, the tenant 30,000 rand. Mm, so, crazy. Um, yes, you've got to pay maintenance. But for me, and um, perhaps I'm a little bit conservative, but I think it's important that you have your own property. You don't want to be stuck with the tenant. Also, the property does grow. It, 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 um, it grows in value. So when you yeah. sell one day, you can take the profit that you earn and put it into your next property. Okay. And things like that. So I would certainly recommend, if you're able to, get into property as soon as you can. Okay. Just with regards to property, sorry. Yeah. Um, would you say buy a property like 
regardless like as soon as possible and rent it out but not with the intent of moving in there one day but just as an investment or do you think it's always best to buy property that you eventually plan on residing in um, or you can do both look, I think <laughs> you, you, depending on your financial abil- on your financial abilities yeah um i think it's important to have a place you can live in um, if you're able to have free accommodation and then you rent out the property that you buy mm. um, that's wonderful because then it's, yeah. you know you do, so if you're for instance staying at home and you can manage to 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 buy a property and rent it out that's mm. great um I wouldn't recommend that you only buy property because it probably should, your property investment should just be part of your overall portfolio. Yeah, you have some some property, some shares. Um, you know, people are buying Bitcoin these days. People yeah. are buying gold. Have a, have a diversified. <laughs> don't put all your eggs in one basket. I think yeah. that's a, that, that's important. That's important. Okay. Property is what we would call a conservative investment. Okay. So, and it's also what what technically is called a, an illiquid investment. So if okay. you got cash in the if you've got shares on the on the JSE and you want to get out some money you can go onto your app and you can sell your shares and within a few days the money's back in your account yeah if i've got a house and i want to get some money i've got to sell the jolly thing first mm. and that can take yeah ages yeah. and then it's transfer and blah 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 so makes sense you got to think you've always got to be careful of the of the time horizons on your investments as well okay okay and then um just along with that when it comes to having um, medical aid or tithing and like those those things, how do you fit them into a budget? Like, let's say you're renting as well, yeah. or you're looking to buy a house. Like, how do you fit those all together? Yeah. Look, um, I would say things like tithing should come in that first thirty um, percent that we spoke about earlier. Yes. Yeah. So maybe 15 percent in your into savings, ten percent or fifteen, whatever you want to give mm-hmm. to your church or to your organisations. Mm-hmm. And ten to fifteen percent. Okay, now now we're moving to forty five percent. Yeah, I'm running out of. <laughs> yeah. I only have a hundred percent. Okay, this is you know you can look at your numbers, but keep to around say thirty percent that is going for saving, either saving okay. towards long term, medium term, or charitable donations. Okay. Um, things like rentals going to have to come out of the out of the remaining amount. Yeah. Things like your bond payment, if you've got a bond will have to come out of the remaining amount. Yeah. Things like medical aid, etc., will have to come out of the remaining amount. Mm. So um, shop around. So when, you know, you've got to make it all come out of what remains. Mm-hmm. Okay. And things like medical aid are, are really challenging in this country mm, at the moment. Because yeah. So that was going to be my question is, what is your suggestion for a student who now, for example, me, I'm coming off my mom's medical aid because I'm getting, I'm a big girl now. Wow. <laughs> and medical aid is just, like too expensive for me to afford like what my mom is now getting you know yeah and it's my always my thing is always i don't want to end up in like a state hospital no and i have medication that needs to be covered so look there are um you know the one can have a whole program just speaking about medical aids Mm -hmm. it's uh, it's it's tricky but to to simplify it um one you can get a very basic what they call a hospital plan yeah which is it's not it's certainly not cheap but it's going to be cheaper than probably the full medical aid that you're on through your mom's work. Yeah. Um, so, and basically what that means is that if you have anything big, so you have an accident or there's a major sickness, um, you're going to go to a private hospital because it pays all private hospitals okay. at private rates. Yes, the nice to have the day-to-day going to the GPs and getting your glasses and getting things done to your teeth. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> so both, both, is, both Daniel and Zara have got to have dentist things in the next few days. Uh, <laughs> Such fun. fun. Can't wait. Yeah. Luckily, we're still on our parents' medical aid. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, but so though, so when you're on the on the full medical aid, all of those things are covered. Mm-hmm. When you downgrade to or, or when you start off with the hospital plan, you are going to have to be a little more, a little bit more selective about what procedures get done. Yes. Okay. And, uh, you can't just. I mean, you can just go to the doctor whenever you want, but then you're going to have to pay out of pocket. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, makes I, sense. Um, get the big stuff covered. Yeah. I just wanted to ask, because I heard a thing the other day, someone told me, like some of the advice that they've gotten, is that generally, like as a single person who's relatively healthy, you can kind of not get um, medical aid, but then once you start having a family, then you should get medical aid. Um, like, what do you see about that? Do you think if someone's working, they're single, they're relatively healthy, should they already start with the medical aid? Mm. Look, that, that is the old philosophy. Yeah. Um, because you think well, when, you're not, when you're not in the firing zone of... of Age. ...diseases <laughs> and, yeah, or, or the lifestyle diseases and whatever. Um, but medical aids and all insurance type policies these days, they have this thing called, um, especially medical aids, called anti-selection so these in, in south africa for instance if you don't go on to medical aid mm. and you only st- go and say when you're 35 or 40 they run they are allowed to levy what's called a late joiner penalty on you oh so what? yeah so it's to, protect, so it's to protect the oldies <laughs> so, wow. they're, so they're saying because otherwise what happens only the sick people ever got medical aid and then you would never be able to afford it yeah because if yeah. only if if medical aids were only there for people who are about to have a heart attack um, or going to hospital next week it would be impossible yeah, to afford it sense. medical mm. aids and the whole the whole theory of insurance and, and basically medical aid is a type of insurance Mm. It just means that as many people as possible need to be putting money into what they call the pool mm-hmm. and then the expenses get paid from the pool to, to simplify. Sense. So if all the healthy people say, well, I'm not swimming in that pool because it's too expensive, yeah. then everybody else who remains starts paying more. Okay, so I often sense. see people who've done that in their life and they think, great, now I'm 50, I'm going to join a medical aid. And I've just said to them, yeah, that's great. It would have cost you 4000 but because you're only joining now, it's going to cost you 9000 yeah, yeah. so it's it becomes quite significant yeah. and on top of that they can then also elect um to exclude you from certain things so let's just say you oh, wow. you know are 45 or 50 and you've got a heart condition or you've got diabetes they can say to you okay for the first 12 months we're going to give you no cover on those issues so if you have a heart attack in the first 12 months even though you're on top of the range of medical aid you're going to have no cover for those conditions and they can even say to you for the first three months you're going to pay, mm-hmm. but you're going to get nothing at all. Not okay. even, That's you're going to get rude. no cover whatever. So just be very, very careful about delaying the start of medical aids. Okay. okay. Mm. Good, good to know. <laughs> and, and for yes. those who have been on their parents' medical aids, that's very good because that counts for towards your years of service on the medical aid. Wow. So you can almost... I doing nothing. <laughs> because the late joiner penalties only apply after a certain number of years that you haven't been on. Okay. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. Danielle, you asked about investing in South Africa. Oh, yes. Yes, of let's chat about investing. And, and look, historically, the, the South African investment arena has been fantastic. I mean, the JSE up until the last few years has been one of the top performing stock markets in the entire world over the last 80 years. It's been mm-hmm. phenomenal. Wow. Even um, with the RAND being... Yes, yes. As, yes. Yeah. Okay. Because what happens with... Because the RAND... I mean, the, the RAND is one measure of, of return, but... You know, what businesses do is a completely different thing. Okay. okay. However, over the last 
eight or nine years with the mismanagement that we all know about and we don't really want to delve dwell on too long um it's made south africa less attractive from an investment okay. point of view mm-hmm. because people noticed the government wasn't as reliable they noticed that there was a bit of a lot of corruption going on. <laughs> a bit of and corruption. so a lot of the money has walked out of the country. It's You're left the building. Just going. <laughs> it's just going. And it is my opinion that um, the the government is well and, tru- well and truly on top of fixing this. But it is a tricky time right now. Yeah. Um, I'm still of the belief that it's going to turn around completely. And I think over the next two years, we're going to see very, very good returns coming yeah. out of the market. Okay. But it just goes back to why you need to have a diversified portfolio. Yes. If all of your money was sitting in the bank in rands, you would be very, very much poorer than you were five years ago. Yeah. Okay. Whereas even if you were just in the very, very average unit trust, and the unit trust is just basically shares, okay. you would have at least returns that are keeping a little bit level. You're not shooting the lights out, you're not doing brilliantly, but you're at least getting some return on your money. Okay. Okay. So and then it comes to investing. Yeah. Um, when it comes to investing, how do you know who is good to invest with? Like, let's say you even want to buy shares or anything like that. How do you choose who's good to invest with? And also at what bracket? Like, let's just say you have to have this much money before you think it would be wise to start buying shares or whatever. Look, the, the beauty of where we are now with technology and that is that um, because of the computerization and uh, of just about everything in the financial field, the, the whole the fintech field, as they call it, you can start investing with very, very low amounts. Um, one must just be careful of trying to, you know, you read about, you know, your friend tells you about this share and you go and buy it tomorrow mm. and you sell it the next day because you've made 12% and then w- one needs to take a long-term strategy on it. Yeah. yeah. Um, if you are going to buy shares, do your research. Okay. So mm-hmm. absolutely, if you're gonna, that that would be buying shares directly. So go, getting onto an app that's a stockbroking app or a share buying app, um, know why you want to buy that particular mm-hmm. share. Do your do your research. Do okay. your due diligence. Um, the easier way um, is to actually buy what's called a unit trust. When you say, okay, I'm going to buy a uh, and a unit trust is just a collection of shares, mm-hmm. and then you buying the the price of all of those shares together okay. and then because there's another 100,000 or 200,000 people out there who are mm-hmm. buying the same thing you can so but if you put in 500 rand a month you are getting the returns of all of those shares um, together okay. and okay, then cool. you're able it's, it's, it's a much more diversified way of doing it yes over, long, over the long term there's no doubt that actually investing in shares directly yourself you're going to get better returns but okay. with its, its risk and return so okay. you yeah. need to put a lot more work and effort into buying and, and investing um, mm. in shares directly yourself, or you can take the slightly easier easier approach and then go and buy a unit trust. Okay. So Again, unit trusts are those with certain companies, and then they essentially invest for you. Yes. Okay. So let's take the example of of, of say Coronation or Investec or Alan, well, Investec's actually called Ninety One now, yeah. or, or Alan Gray. They are companies that have just employed a whole lot of um, financial people, and they go and basically buy the shares mm-hmm. and then they package those shares to individuals to mm. to to buy in a unit trust okay okay and then, yeah you could talk to somebody like myself or any financial advisor who could actually um link you up with those i can give you which which unit trust to buy or mm-hmm. if you've done your research yourself these days most of these unit trusts you can buy online yourself as well cool. okay mm. and then they're t- catering to 
I mean, back in the old days, you had to put down 50 or 100,000 rand to even yeah. start. These days, you can start with like 500 rand. Okay. Wow. In some okay. instances, even 50 rand a month. Yeah. Okay. So it's become a lot more accessible. Very accessible. Yeah. yeah. And what role do you play, like as a financial advisor in this? And like you said, you can ask a financial mm. advisor. Is that a better option or... Well, we would like to think it's a better option. <laughs> <laughs> <this> Everyone, <laughs> Simon Murray, <Yeah>. Liberty. <laughs> Click the like below. <laughs> Where is it? Um, no, look, I mean, some people are very, very, um, they make an effort to learn about these things. And mm -hmm. these days, the accessibility to these products is there for everybody. Okay. Um, but, you know, if you look at almost, most very very wealthy people have got an, a financial advisor of some sort um, they may they may not take all the advice but they will go and get information from but them. i'm not wealthy and i have you there you go, there you go. <laughs> for free <laughs> <laughs> so uh, i would certainly recommend especially if you're new to the field have a have a chat to a financial advisor okay um what they do is i mean these are the buzzwords it's called a financial needs analysis where they look at yep. where you have mm -hmm. <laughs> fancy words yeah um, not really. Um, <laughs> they look at where you are at the moment in your life and they look at where you want to be and they look at your risks. So what happens if you if you pass away today? Do you have debt you need to settle? Do you have dependence you need to look after? If you become disabled today, you have a car crash and you can't walk anymore, who's going to pay your bills? Mm -hmm. um, you know, If you get sick, have you got a medical aid? Have you got dreaded disease cover? How is your retirement saving? And they look at these issues which most of us don't think about. Yeah. And, um, so, and then... A financial advisor should be trying to get, you should meet with that person at least, I would say, every year to 18 months and then you reassess your financial plan because your financial mm. situation changes all the time. That's mm -hmm. true. You know, so as you get older, your income goes up. So you were spending 500 rand a month now and that was going to be enough to give you a great retirement. Mm -hmm. But now your income's gone up and your cost, of, you know, everything's adjusted. So you need to adjust those things yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Okay, and then you wanted to ask about Bitcoin. Yeah, so obviously Bitcoin has become quite popular and I just want to know what your views are on it. Should we be, what do, you, do you buy Bitcoin? Is Bitcoin <laughs> like um, an internet currency? Is that what it is? Yeah, I don't even is. know. Well, Bitcoin is just one of a number of what they call cryptocurrencies. Yes. So essentially, right now when you trade, you use money or you use banks. Mm. And the beauty of Bitcoin is that it's it's an electronic transaction that goes and it avoids the middleman completely. Okay. okay. So there's no bank charges. It's very, very quick. So when I pay you, it's immediately in your account. Whereas mm -hmm. if I'm doing an EFT to you, it takes a day or two. But is Bitcoin like in rands? Bitcoin is so measured in dollars. Okay. Um, but I mean, it's, you could just convert it because it's just got a conversion factor on it. Yeah. So... Um, well, well, I must remember, Bitcoin is just one of many different cryptocurrencies. Okay. And and down down the track, we spoke. You know, earlier we spoke about the technology and finance. Um, it's it's a it's the next iteration of where the um, um, currencies are going. Okay. So the whole idea of having money is, is now it, it it will change in the future. Yes. Banks have to change, and I think what's going to happen, a lot of people are saying, don't touch it because it's not real. It is real. It's <laughs> It's here yeah. to stay. It's here to yeah. stay. However, the excitement about it now is based on, on hype, I think. There's a lot of people, Warren Buffett famously said, 
do not ever buy anything that you don't fully understand yourself. Yes. Okay. So uh, I must buy nothing. <laughs> <laughs> After no, a few more chats you with you. must ask your advisor to explain it to you. And yeah. They must explain it to you in simple terms. If they cannot explain it to you, don't buy it. Yeah. Unless you, or, or find someone else. But I'm very wary of just jumping on the bandwagon because yes. everybody says you must. Yeah. You're going to double your money. That sounds to me like a pyramid scheme. Now, Bitcoin is not a pyramid scheme. But there are people who are selling it as though it is. Uh, and, and, and so one must just be very, very careful about it. The, yeah. the, the underlying product is, is the way of the future. There's no doubt about it. But the hype at the moment, and it's an unregulated environment at the moment, it is dangerous and you've got to go in there with your eyes wide open. Mm. A lot of people have made a ton of cash. Mm-hmm. In 2008, it lost 95% of its value. Dang. Not wow. 2008, 2017, sorry. Yeah. Um, it lost 95% of its value in, in the space of two weeks. Okay. And we are right today. It's just about at I think eighteen or twenty thousand dollars. So it's right up where it was mm. before. It it might be different now because it is more widely accepted. Yeah. Um. But again, just educate yourself. There's a there's two different things. One is what is a Bitcoin used for, and that is trading, mm-hmm. buying things. Okay. So and that's here to stay. What everybody's talking about in the marketplace at the moment is is the trading of that, making money off it. Okay. okay. So I'm buying the Bitcoin because I think it's going to grow by 30% this year, mm. then I'm going to sell it and make a profit. That's just trading like any other trading. It's trading like shares or trading, yeah. you know, whatever, whatever you're buying. So just mm-hmm. if you're going to invest in Bitcoin, people are so-called investing in it because they're trying to make money out of, mm. you know, they're, they're assuming they buy it now, they can sell it for X percent higher in a, in a period of months yeah. or days. Okay. So that's the assumption there. So um, it's like any other trading. Okay. Cool. And then we were going to chat about some saving. saving. Yeah. We want to travel. Okay. <laughs> how, do, how do we... We want to go to the south of France. <laughs> Ideally. Um, how do Save a lot. young people <laughs> work towards saving for an overseas trip? Well, not even overseas, but like mm. a big trip. Look, I think the, main, the first thing is to identify how long you want to be saving for okay because whatever you because we spoke about bitcoin now and we we don't know what bitcoin is going to look like in five years time or ten mm-hmm. years time mm-hmm. but it's very very volatile any any um thing like bitcoin or certain shares they're highly volatile that means their prices jump high or they go low yeah and it can happen in the space of days or, or weeks okay so if you're if you're going away in six months' time, mm-hmm. you do not save for reducing shares or Bitcoin. Okay. Yeah, because you don't know which way it's going to be in six months' time. Mm-hmm. If your time horizon is three years or five years, you can then start to save in some of those kind of things. So you can mm-hmm. get okay. some unit trusts which have more exposure to the market. Um, if you understand the other cryptocurrencies, yeah. you can maybe add a bit of that into it. Into it. As an aside, I was reading something last night or on Saturday night. What they were saying is that Bitcoin ultimate, or not Bitcoin is just one, but mm-hmm. cryptocurrencies should become one part of your basket of investments. Okay. Oh. But probably never more that, than, um, than between 1% and 5% of your total investment basket. Okay. So buy them, but don't oversubscribe to them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, unless you know a lot, a terrible amount of it. Yeah. <laughs> But so it's all about your time horizon of sharing. So Mm -hmm. if you're looking to go away in five years time, then you can maybe buy some unit trust and you can, you know, you can save again, allocate what you can out of your budget. Mm. Okay. And what is the um, value in just having a savings account and tossing money in there versus actually taking that money and investing? 
again it comes on to time horizon okay so if if you are saving in a in a bank account mm-hmm. and you know it's going to be there for 10 years mm-hmm. you're losing your money yeah okay. um, because invariably you will be getting less than re- um, less interest rate than um, than say a, a unit trust return or even a, 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 a 32 day, 32 day notice account mm-hmm. so if it's in the bank or in a basic savings account it, it has its place, make no mistake, and that place is in short to medium-term saving. Okay. Um, anything longer than that, you want to move it out where you can get slightly better rates. Okay. Because okay. I know last time I spoke to you, you said just at least have a savings account so I, it, I can differentiate between what is exactly. money that I'm not going to use right now. Mm. Remember what we spoke about earlier when you, um, we spoke about having a, like a bit of an, not an emergency account? Yes. That, that's where you'd use it for. The rainy day. The yeah. rainy day, yeah. Again. The, the unexpected birthday present you forgot. Or, <laughs> Oops, I better go get some money out. And you don't want to borrow money from mom and dad, you can go to that account. Okay. And, okay. The, and if, remember, if it's in a unit trust or if it's in a 32-day notice account, it's, it might take you a bit longer to get the money out. But if it's in a savings account, you literally just go onto your app and you transfer the money back to you. Mm. Yeah. So um, that's why that's where the savings account has use. It's there for just the occasional um, unexpected expenses. Okay. Cool. Do we have other questions about saving? Mm, not that I can think of, but do you have anything else to add like with regards to saving, especially as a young adult, anything like that? Start ASAP. Okay. Especially for retirement. Yes. Yeah. yeah it's it's mean, so weird that to think of that. I know, like I We s- have to start saving. And yes, you want to travel and you want to do all these things, but you have to save for like when yeah. you're at home. That's crazy. <laughs> but the, the thing about saving long term is that once it goes, it just becomes... You just get used to it, mm. okay. And um, it will—it's just part of your life. Then it's just—it's like medical aid. You just got to pay for it. Yeah. Yes. And um, I think, you know, I, I remember a client of mine who, who who left a company in 1972, and he was paid, I think it was, 2,000 rand, um, from his company, and he invested, and he was 40 or whatever it was at that time. Yeah. Um, or 30, I don't know. But it, it was 2,000 rand and he invested into a, um, a very traditional liberty retirement annuity or whatever it was at the time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And when he matured that policy, in other words, he cashed it out. He didn't ever add any more money to it. He cashed it out about 35 years later. Okay. That 2,000 rand was 2.1 million rand. Wow. Yeah. And now that's not, that wasn't huge returns. That was no fancy yeah. bitcoins or, mm-hmm. or magic. It was just being invested and getting, I think, 11% a year on average over the 30 years. And that's the power of compound interest. Yeah. Okay. You guys, you know, you guys have all done science and maths and things like mm. that. Unfortunately. So <laughs> go, go back and look at compound interest. It's, um, it's yes. the, the yeah. eighth wonder of the world, I think is what Einstein called it. Wow. wow. Okay. So then. It truly is. <laughs> so you, would you recommend a retirement annuity? Specifically look, for retirement. Again, it is long term. Like very long term. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Look in South Africa. Um, and this is, it's difficult, not difficult, but one must just, again, you need to understand what your, where you hope, what your long-term objectives are. Mm-hmm. If you think you're going to be remaining in this country, and these days it's a question I have to ask almost every client because so many people have left our country or are planning on. Mm. Yeah. If you are thinking of leaving the country, a retirement annuity is, is not an appropriate vehicle. Yeah. Okay. It, it is, it's inflexible if you're going to move to another country. Mm-hmm. If you're going to be staying here, that retirement annuity is wonderful because it is hugely tax deductible. So yeah. from that point of view, it's, it's very, very tax friendly. Um, 
it does have restrictions and you need to be familiar with those if, before you go into it. But the basic idea though is safe. And yes. whether it's an RA or whether it's a, um, a unit trust or a savings account, just put your money away and let it grow. Cool. Okay. Yeah. And you can always decide on, everybody's going to have a slightly different um, plan. And, but just, you need to make sure that you're saving something. Okay. ASAP. Yeah. So follow all these tips or marry a rich man. If he's prepared to share his money with you. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> so do you have any last words of encouragement or even a word of warning for us young people for the future? Don't go and blast your money on new cars. Mm -hmm. That's a big waste of money. <laughs> the, uh, at the price of new cars these days, most people can't anyway. Yeah. But we see so many million rand cars and 800,000 rand cars. I think the new Golf R that comes out next year is going to cost a million rand for Golf. Wow. Can you believe that? And but I suppose like it never, there's it loses value like by the day i can't tell you how many of my clients say hey my returns are only so and so or mm. you know, it's been difficult in, in the investment market of the last two years mm -hmm. very very difficult and so a lot of people have been very unhappy with returns yeah so they're getting a few percent but yet those same people are prepared to spend a million rand or five hundred thousand rand in a car and two years later they sell the same car for 40 to 50 percent less okay yeah mm. so don't fall into that trap it's not really worthwhile you only really have a new car smell for a few days <laughs> few months if you're lucky and then it's just a car yeah. yeah so don't waste your money in a car get a good second-hand car um make medical is very important okay um think about things like um, income protection if you're working in other words, if you, if you become disabled, it's a, it's a product that will pay your salary if you're disabled. Mm -hmm. Where does that fit in? Like That's part of what we, it's, it's an insurance policy. So is that like part of your life insurance? Yes, yes, okay. Yeah. So you've got your retirement planning and then you've got your, your risk planning. So okay. risk planning is death cover, life cover. Mm -hmm. Okay, you, you die. Death <laughs> cover. <laughs> or disability cover. And disability mm -hmm. cover is income protection or lump sum disability. And then the, poly, the, product, uh, the other one is called severe illness um, cover. In okay. other words, if you're diagnosed with um, like a cancer or heart attack or have a stroke, then mm -hmm. we pay you a set amount of money depending on what you're diagnosed with. Okay. And, uh, at your guys' age right now, life cover is probably not that important, mm -hmm. but certainly income protection as you start to work, yeah. um, dreaded disease cover, very important, medical aid, very, very, very important, and of course, um, re retirement. retirement. Yeah. Okay. To, to, to get cracking on that, yeah. Cool. Thank you so much, Simon, of for course. joining yeah, thank us. You. You're welcome. And thank you for opening up your home as our studio. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> Good. Awesome. Well, I it was nice having our number one fan on the show. Mm -hmm. And we'll see you next time. Yeah. Cool. yeah. Thank you to everyone for listening to this episode, and we hope that you learned so much. So much. Thank you. Bye. Bye.